There are certain moments and words that shaped a new era in pro wrestling. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Brett screwed Brett. Die, Rocky, die. Introducing the Book of Wrestling, 25 catchphrases that explain the Attitude Era. Tune in as we relive one of the most exciting, intense, and over-the-top times in WWE with new interviews with the voices that made the promos, calls, and catchphrases into history. Listen now. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors has everything you need to keep your ride or die alive. From superchargers, brakes, exhaust kits, and more, 122 million parts, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home the win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that throws you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Welcome to the Ringer F1 show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Kevin Clark. Spencer Hall joins us today for a wonderful, chaotic, insightful, informative chat on how to pick an F1 team. We go through all 10 Formula One teams in the paddock. We go through why you should root for them. Maybe you already do. Why you shouldn't. Their culture, their history, their drivers, the team principal, everything. It is a detailed deep dive at everything F1 on everybody's journey. And some people have been watching for 40 years. We've heard some so many different people. Some people were watching in the 70s. Some people just started watching last week. It's been incredible. Whoever you are, this podcast is for you. This is a detailed deep dive into these teams. Uh, this is one of the best things we've done since we started the podcast last month. I really, really enjoyed it. You guys are in for a treat with Spencer. Now, Imola is this week. This is an inflection point in the F1 season. Um, Leclerc is 34 points above George Russell right now. This is a math problem for Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen, who in theory should have been fighting it out for the championship. Um, Lewis's car looks nowhere near ready to compete for a championship. But let's put that aside. Max Verstappen is 46 points down. That would be already one of the 10 biggest comebacks by points in the history of Formula One. Okay. So if he's going to make a move, it needs to be soon. Now, the good news for Red Bull is that Helmut Marco said that Honda has assured the team that the reliability issues, which is the reason Max Verstappen is 46 points behind, the reliability issues will be solved by this race. Um, according to Marco, part of the problem is that the porpoising was hurting the fuel delivery system, which in turn made the car unreliable. Not an engine problem, according to, to Red Bull. So that we'll see. I, I, I don't, I, I can't, I assume they thought they'd solved it before Australia, and here we are. So Red Bull is adrift and they need to make changes pretty quickly. Imola, really interesting track. Um, 19 turns, interesting hard corners. I was watching a lot of the onboards. Um, so the the track took a break on the F1 calendar from 2006 until 2020. During COVID, they were able to 
reinstate the track. And it's one of the historic tracks in, in Formula One. Um, some great battles there. Pro Senna, Schumacher, and Alonso had a rivalry that, that unfolded there. I was going back and just watching all the old YouTubes and, and listening to some podcasts about it. And it was really, it's really a, a, a place where Titans have, have uh, had some, some great races. Unfortunately, it's a tragic history. Obviously, Senna lost his life there. Um, Roland Ratzenberger lost his life there in the same weekend. Um, so that's obviously a part of it. Um, Gerhard Berger also had a fiery crash that he survived. Um, he talks about in interviews sometimes. Um, so it's been a dangerous track. They've made changes since then to the track. Um, but in the last couple of years, it's been a really good, interesting track. And I think that Ferrari probably has an advantage because of some of these hard corners. Um, in the corners and with acceleration, Ferrari's been amazing, although that's that's sort of easy to say because they've been amazing pretty much everywhere. Um, and if they weren't amazing in something, for instance, at the end of straights, uh, Red Bull just breaks down. So it's fine. So we know the stakes. On Saturday will be the first of three this year sprint races that are 100-kilometer all-out sprints, hence the name, um, to figure out who's going to be P1 on Sunday. Now, a couple of changes this year. Number one, when we talk about P1, the, the title of pole position, entirely cosmetic, will go to whoever was fastest on qualifying on Friday. I'm in favor of old school qualifying to begin with. I don't even love the idea of a sprint race, so I'll get to that in a second. Um, but I understand it. And the top eight finishers in the sprint will receive points, which I guess raises the stakes. Now, I understand why you add a sprint race to a weekend, and three seems right if you're going to do it. When the new owners of F1 came in a couple of years ago, they, they really wanted to make every weekend feel like a kind of Super Bowl-like atmosphere and to see another race day and to have a competitive environment on Saturday, kind of a mini version of Sunday, certainly heightens everything around the weekend. It's just another day of competitive racing. I get that. Um, they listen, they've done a pretty amazing job at, at raising the, um, awareness of the sport and making every weekend feel bigger. So I, I'm not going to question that part of it. I just say from a competitive standpoint, I like the idea of, of old school qualifying. Um, but yeah, so that's that sprint race Saturday, normal qualifying on Friday race on Sunday, 9am Eastern on ESPN. And yeah, let's get to it. Here's Spencer. Welcome in, Spencer Hall, Channel 6 newsletter, Shutdown Fullcast, F1 aficionado. What's going on, buddy? Uh, not much. Thank you. I am doing this, first of all, because, yes, Kevin Clark, among other people, is a paid subscriber to Channel 6, our Twitter's weekly newsletter. So, Did you check? Great. I always check. You got to know who you got to know who's repping you, man. Always. I always wow. look. Yeah. I always look so to see who's paid and who hasn't. If I hadn't, if I was just like a non-paying subscriber, you'd be like, yeah, I'm going to pass on this one. Um, I'll put it this way. If I wanted to play Elden Ring this morning, like really wanted to play <laughs> Elden Ring, I might've passed on it. But then I saw that Kevin Clark had put down the card and actually paid money to support his fellow uh, content creators and journalists. So I really appreciate that. So you get the thank you on air and the plug, two things at once. Do you know what it was? It was when <clears> you wrote about NASCAR, about how, to, how you can't fix NASCAR. I paid for that. And now I've just, you know, you can create any content you want. I'm locked in. The cr I'm not going to, you know, find the button to cancel. And it's compelling content. So you, you should, you should cancel. Host. You should cancel the second I get off this podcast. You should be like, you're gone. <laughs> Bam. 
done. That would be a power move if you did that. Um, all right. So we're going to do probably our second most requested episode. So one of the cool things that I've been blown away by over the past couple of weeks since we launched this show is how many people have just written in with things that they'd, they'd like um, like to see. And maybe that's because they're just getting into F1 or they want things explained to them or whatever it is. But it's been a really cool community that we've built up. And the number one request we've gotten, we're not going to do today. We will do at some point, maybe before the Miami race, which is just literally like F1 101. Just like explain to me what this is, what we're talking about when we talk about the tires, all that stuff. We will do that. The second most requested episode that we've gotten is how to pick an F1 team. What are these teams? Who are their comps? Who are their drivers? Who are their team principals? What we need to know about everything going on when, you, when it comes to picking a team. I think there's a lot of people who've gotten in the last four years, and it's not like college football, American sports. It's not even like European soccer, Spencer, because at least there's different cities where you can be like, all right, I, lo- I loved my time in Berlin studying abroad yeah. and, doing, and doing drugs. And I will, I've never been to Berlin, but I assume that's what people do when they study abroad. Are we just randomly slamming the entire city of Berlin? We're not <laughs> randomly slandering it. Hey, okay, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> sure. If someone's really in, in, like, if someone is really into partying and they go and study abroad, what city would you guess they're picking? Um, I would guess that they're probably picking like, uh, they're probably picking Paris, Berlin, or Madrid, or Barcelona. Barcelona is probably a good guess too, right? That wouldn't be where I'd suggest. I'm like, how hard do you want to party? Like, also, can I go back and just say a semantic thing? Very, very specific question. Please define partying. Not everyone agrees because if somebody comes up to you, Kevin, and you grew up in Florida, correct? I so, did, Orlando, Florida. So you know that this is a dangerous question. If somebody comes up to you and says, "Hey, man, do you like to party?" Oh, that could mean like a thousand different things, right? But Berlin is a very good guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think there are probably different parts of the world, as you said, where do you like to party means extremely different things. I think Ooh. it normally means uh, you're going to take a turn towards illegality in in most cases. Yeah. Um, if it's Scott, if but, it's, uh, I will say if it's like Scottsdale, Arizona, and somebody says, "Do you like to party?" Yeah. Oh, that's a totally different thing than if somebody comes up to you in New York and it's like, "Hey, do you want to party?" Hmm. What is Scottsdale? Is that just like eleven Scott. IPAs buying Ooh. a couple, uh, buying a couple uh, bits of real estate? You don't know and, where it and, can go. And nine holes. Well, yeah, because we might end up, we might end up at a swingers party. We might sure. end up. Oh right? yeah. We like your vibe. Like that. That could happen yeah. in Scottsdale. Um, but you could also just end up out in the middle of the desert shooting automatic weapons at beer cans. Like that's still a possibility. Having moved back to New York, I think if someone asks you to party here, it just means. Uh, pay too much party. for your bedroom apartment and buy crypto. Um, yeah. And party. And party. All right. So let's get to it. Let's go alphabetically. Um, we'll start with the Alpha Romeo. They have two drivers, the most notable of which is Valtteri Botas. They have been in Formula One for 173 races, but obviously there was a huge break in between that. They won drivers' championships in 1950 and 1951. Spencer, what kind of person is all in on Alfa Romeo in 2022? I think Alfa Romeo is strictly a uh, trad hipster pick, and by mm. that I mean if you if you are at the Venn the intersection of the Venn diagram 
of tradition because Alpha is, of course, traditionally a motorist's motor car. Absolutely. Right? It is the thing. It is the thing I think where you default if you're like, I don't want to like anything. Like, I want to be so cool. <laughs> I don't like, but I don't want to be obviously super snobby, but just a little snobby. You know, you yeah. can get your hands on an alpha. That could happen. So I think if you are a traditionalist, but also have hipster tendencies, i.e. you would like to be semi-exclusive. And, you know, you'd also like a you know, sort of likable, quirky uh, list of drivers, then alpha is definitely your spot. I agree. It's a hipster pick, and it also has some some hipster qualities in that it's obviously new in in this version. It's uh, got Botas, who is a, a hipster driver at this point, and it's got history. So you can, if you wanted the Twitter banner to be the Alpha 1951, you can have that. So it's got a mixture of newness and history. So I think that you there are people who are going to appreciate that part. And also, we have a Ringer colleague who who drives an Alpha Romeo. And he like an SUV and he's trying to like do this alpha pride stuff. And I don't, I, I completely rejected out of hand. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I agree that, that you should absolutely make fun of them for that because I like making fun <laughs> of people who drive alphas. Cause I'm like, you could get so many better cars that look better than this. They're like, Oh, but, but it's the driving experience. And, uh, I'm like, yeah, sure. But you got to drive something that looks like it has like a vacuum cleaners intake on the front. Right. <laughs> like that's, and isn't particularly reliable. So while I respect the hustle and commitment to the lifestyle, you could make better choices. Also, I will say this. If you're an alpha, if you're the kind of person who goes, man, I know I'm going to make, I should make better choices, but I just prefer not to for the brand, alpha. It's a great, great choice for you. You know, if you're like, <laughs> am right. I going to have it? Am I going to have a sensibly priced beer? Or am I going to go ahead and get two of the high gravity ones? And double the expense from the bar by calling a lift instead of just having one and walking home. That's that's you. That's you, Alpha. Also, I like the drivers, man. Like like the Alpha always picks up an eccentric fin, right? They had Kimi. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Alpha had Kimi. Um, they're always good for picking up an Italian, right? They they had Antonio yeah. Giovinazzi. Also, hey, we got Joe Guan Yu. We got Joe yep. Guan Yu. Like like I think if I think if you're Chinese, Alpha's like the obvious pick for you. Right. I completely agree. I, Alpha is the car and the and the team of 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 exactly what you said. Paying paying too much for a drink when you could just just grab, you know, just get a beer, man. It's going to be fine. You're going to yeah, be Joe fine. Joe Guan Yu right now is my pick, by the way. Um, and, and when I say Chinese, I mean like literally. If you are listening to this and you yes. are a citizen of the People's Republic of China, that is what I mean. Um, it, Joe Guan Yu is probably the person who, proportionally, I think, for Americans, probably has the greatest disparity between number of people who root for him and number of Americans who know about him. Because keep in mind, if Joe mm. Guan Yu just if Joe Guan Yu just captures like one percent of the F one viewing market in China, yes. that's a huge number of people. Like Joe Guan Yu is probably sitting on. The most endorsement money that nobody really knows about well, outside of the PRC. Now let's let's game this out because this happened in the NBA where anybody who was who was friends with Yao Ming got millions of dollars in endorsements for the rest Correct. of their lives. Correct. Shane Battier, Tracy McGrady, anybody who was Yao Ming's buddy got to go mm-hmm. over to China and make a million dollars per speech. Huge second career opportunity for our guy Valtteri here. Yeah, listen, and and believe me, if anybody if anybody can hop on that and just be. Uh, inscrutable and lovable in a large country. Valtteri Bottas is there. He's ready, man. In 15 years, we're going to see a story that he has, he has rebranded himself as the most popular man in China. 
and he lives there and he has a family there and he's just, he's just in he's just he's in it he's in it we're gonna see it. we're gonna see an amazing photo he just engrossed himself I, I i love i love this for botas it's just just him doing some weird china only suv endorsement in a course in inner mongolia this, this right Steph, this, this, this Steph marbury of 2035 hey, hey listen set. Michael Jordan's cool and everything, but like, you know, in, in, in Yunnan province, Stefan Marbury is everything. All right. Uh, let's, we're going to do this one quickly because it's, it's not that compelling. Alpha Tauri, Pierre Gasly and Yuki Sonoda are the drivers. This is a bit like rooting for a, a minor league baseball team. It's like being a Trash Pandas fan or a Knoxville Smokies fan. Yeah. Um, uh, you, you would root for this team if you are... An affici- have an affinity for either of the drivers, which is easy to have. Pierre Gasly and Yuki Tsunoda are lovable guys in their own way. Uh, what kind of, what if, if you want to choose Alpha Tauri that says what about you, Spencer? I, I think you're a minor league, small town, second circuit kind of person. Um, yeah. Also, if you want the Muppet Babies of teams, right? If you want the, uh, right. the juniors teams, I, I think this is an adorable way to do it because Pierre Gasly and Yuki Tsunoda, not to undersell their astonishing talent in either one of their cases, but this is the junior circuit team for Red Bull. Yep. So, um, if you're comfortable with that, if you're if you're more of a small town person, right? I think AlphaTauri is definitely the way to go because you know small town America is a cliche, but like most things, uh, there's sort of a veneer to it. Most small towns yeah. have Starbucks. Most small towns have the big corporations. AlphaTauri is tied in with all kinds of gigantic companies, but they're quaint. They're quaint. I think they're a great pickup. Yeah. Very likable. The New York Times to understand voters is going to go into the AlphaTauri paddock and Correct. start talking to people. Come to the AlphaTauri diner. We'll start talking about your real concerns, right? This is this is F1's real America. So come on by. Yeah, I mean it's it's a junior team, not junior team, but second team to to Red Bull. Um, I I don't know why you'd pick AlphaTauri and not Red Bull. Um, that's actually a hipster thing as well, a little bit I would say. But yeah, it's pretty it's pretty clear that you would just like one of the drivers, which again is easy to do. All right, Alpine rebranded Renault. They still may have Renault engines. Obviously, Alpine is the sports car of Renault. Their drivers are Fernando Alonso and Esteban Ocon. Um, they have gone through a lot of changes in the past couple of years, not just a new brand. Um, they got a new team principal. They have had success, I think, a couple of years ago when Daniel Ricciardo joined them. Uh, people thought that maybe they were on the upswing. Um, they have two world championships as Renault. And, and right now they, they've got a bit of an identity crisis, but they're at least okay on the grid right now. Alpine, what do we think? Spencer? Um, I, I would go ahead and say for Alpine, if you are a two hour lunch person, then this is definitely <laughs> your team. And I base that on, yes, the Renault lineage, right? Um, yep. I think if you're the sort of person who, yes, is if you're at the overlap of historical, traditionalist but also too french to really try that hard right Mm. like that's that's to me where you're at right if you enjoy if you're like i would like to win one championship every 10 years and really make it stick that to me is probably where alpine is at okay if you are the kind of person who values grace over power in your cars i would go ahead and say alpine very francophile very elegant uh moderately successful yeah and cyril said in drive to survive the reason to work for renault is because it's the only f1 team based in paris they take this identity very very seriously yeah so yeah and you'll you'll get the best and you'll get the best food at the spread like that's that's legit like you will consistently get the best food at the trailer spread are we sh- would you rather have renault's food for an entire year or ferrari's food for an entire year because that's just a french versus italian question it is a french versus italian question i'll go ahead and i will take renault's 
but like mm. 100% because uh, and that's a personal preference on my part, right? Because uh, I would just happen to prefer French food over Italian food because, uh, you know, I'm going to run into cheese either way. Like full disclosure, mm. I don't eat cheese. Like I just think cheese is, it's always tasted like the barnyard to me. I just, I well, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, 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 we're here. Cheese just tastes bad to you. Yeah, it just tastes bad to me. I'm not lactose intolerant or anything. It just tastes bad. Like horrible. So we're we're on opposite sides of that. There's a restaurant yeah. in New York called Parm that's mm-hmm. just Parmesan. No, that's no. just no. what it is. No, sir. And uh, I enjoy that restaurant. I haven't been there in a while. I know that in France, all else, all other things failing, I can inevitably get a, a slice of beef, all right, or a slice of meat. Like but, I can get, I can get a cutlet, right? And in what Italy, do you do with French I onion soup? I don't eat it. Wouldn't order it. Yeah, know, man. in Italy, man, in Italy, the cheese that just assume you they'll just grate it on top of anything. It'll it'll just attack at any moment. <laughs> so that's that pretty much sums up Alpine. Also, if you're a big Fernando Alonso fan, of which uh, older hey. older fans who have seen him dominate, that that's that's nothing crazy at all. No, that that is fine. Also, yeah, I would say this is also a slightly older guy's team. Mm-hmm, definitely, uh, Aston Martin. So this is a bit of a. A misnomer that they're called Aston Martin. They were rebranded. They're owned by Lawrence Stroll, who obviously bought the Force India team a few years ago. They were called Racing Point for a little bit. The drivers are Sebastian Vettel. It's also been Nico Hulkenberg this year as Vettel has struggled with COVID. And then uh, Lance Stroll, Lawrence's son. This is a tough one because for me, this feels like it should be a glamour team. But the way they entered into F1, I mean, Aston Martin, I mean, this is James Bond stuff. This is some of the best sports cars in the world. This is aspirational stuff. If I get a trillion dollars, I might just go down to the Aston Martin dealership and buy myself an Aston Martin. Having said that, because of the Stroll family, because of Racing Point, because of the Force India lineage, I don't view them as a glamour team. Help me out. Uh, I've got you because I have a definite fix on this team. Aston Martin is the team for the people who are a hot mess with money. Because it's not like, <laughs> that's it. Are you a hot mess with money? And I don't even mean, do you have money and are a hot mess? I mean, do you do you have money or do you not have money? And are you a hot mess? If you are terrible with money, and I only say this because Aston Martin, it's not like they don't spend money. They 100% do. It's not like they're not yes. likable. Sebastian, I love Sebastian Vettel. Sebastian Vettel's had a lot of success in F1. Um, even Lance Stroll is generally cited as being the most likable fail son, the most likable sponsored <laughs> rich kid in F1, um, or at least the most competent of the crew. Sure. Yet, yet they don't produce. And, and everyone's not fine with that. But at the same time, um, it's not like they're not entirely likable. So are you kind of an affable hot mess with money? who makes, you know, 20 grand a month, but owes 30 grand in credit cards. Mm. That's you, Aston Martin. So I just thought about this as you said that. It reminds me of the people who sit on the floor, or at least when they were good, sat on the floor at Orlando Magic Games. Because mm-hmm. you just meet these people, and they would just be like blacked out at Casey's at like 4 p.m. before a yep. Magic Game. And they're wearing like male or female, some sort of leopard pattern. Yeah. Um, and you'd be like, what's what's this group's deal and then like 30 minutes in the conversation they'd be like hey man we're you know we got five seats on the floor tonight you want you want our fifth and you'd be like what and it turns out they own like car dealership or um they're just fail sons in some in some way but somehow they have five seats on the floor 
at a a Magic Pelicans game that night. And they'll give you one. They'll give you one, right? Like they'll, go, the they'll definitely like give Aston you Martin, one. Like Aston Martin too. Like I don't want to say it's like a bad. It's a bad car because if we wanted to talk about luxury cars that were actually bad, Maserati would be racing an F one. Uh, Aston Martin's a fine car, but to me, it was also the car of somebody who has more money than sense. Because if you're a real gearhead, you'd go to like Mercedes or Ferrari. Those would be the teams sure. that you'd say, "Ooh, automotive excellence, fantastic handling." Right? You might even go to Alpha because sure. that is to me a hipster's car, which means you put some kind of thought into selecting the car. An Aston Martin car, uh, if you ask me what the technical specs on it, I would say expensive. That's the one mm-hmm. that you're like, what is it? It's very expensive and it looks expensive. That to me, Aston Martin, kind of a, a, a carefree, dumb, rich guy's team in a carefree, dumb, rich guy's sport. It's the t- Aston Martin in general is a car company, which Lawrence Roll is a major investor in, is the car that probably gets most of its sales on impulse buys from guys who've gotten rich on NFTs in the last couple of years because Jason Statham uh, has said Correct. in movies that he likes them. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Also, Anglophilia. Anglophilia can get right. you here, too. If you're a big Anglophile, if you think all things British are inherently smart and good, you're probably going to gravitate toward Aston Martin and the inevitable pools of oil that come out of it in your driveway. I'd like I'd like an Aston Martin. You like, if, you yeah, see you me, see- if you see me driving down... Uh, in Atlanta, and I've got an Aston Martin. You know, you know, I made a couple good investments. Yeah, there. that's and, like and that's which, like the end of the the Batman trilogy. You're Michael Caine, and I'm Christian Bale, and you see me just kind of casually mm-hmm. driving down an Aston Martin. I'm if in. I see you in an Aston Martin, I'll just go. You could have done worse. You could like if you if you have that kind of money, you can do way worse than an Aston Martin. It starts when I cancel my subscription to Channel Six later today. That is correct, and, that and then you can afford then you can afford the Aston Martin. <laughs> what are those guys called who all want to retire at age like 29 and they don't spend any money? Financially oh, independent. Yes. Those yes. guys, they spend no money and then they try to retire at like 28. That's not, that's what I'm going to do. Starting with my uh, newsletter. Listen, like, like I said, at least, at least it's not a Maserati baby. I hope, I hope like y'all don't have a Maserati sponsorship or something, but yeah, <laughs> we're good. Um, all right, Ferrari. So there's a lot that can be said here. Mm-hmm. They are almost certainly and for some reason people get mad when i say they're going to run away with this but i just don't see any evidence that anybody else is going to be able to to close that gap and uh lewis hamilton had some comments in the off week that said that basically you know the top teams always develop at the same rate so like he doesn't see mercedes getting this incredible fix it and ferrari not that's just sort of how this season works even though ferrari has struggled to have in-season changes like there's just a lot that needs to be done with with mercedes and red bull to close the gap so they're probably going to win this championship they've won 16 constructors championships 15 drivers championships they're always seemingly in need of being saved even when michael schumacher came back it was oh my god shumi please save ferrari We saw that a couple of years ago. They were in the doldrums the last few years. They were mid-pack. But they are historically an extremely successful team. Is this more Notre Dame or Texas? (laughs) Uh, More Notre Dame. I would say more Notre Dame by far. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think by comparison, uh, it's not even close uh, because Texas doesn't have that many claimed, I don't believe Texas has that many claimed national titles as no. Notre Dame. Um, in addition to that, really the only comparison for Ferrari is Alabama. Like that to me is, mm. uh, yeah, they're, they, they're red. Uh, they are, <laughs> they're historically dominant when they are bad. It is a crisis. That to me is like, like that is 
when Alabama is bad, it is not like, oh, well, they're going to go through a couple of down years, then they'll get it popping again. No, it is an event unto itself. And a lot of times the success that somebody has at that job is not cast independently. It is, thank you for saving us. Thank you for mm-hmm. for restoring, right? You're always, if you're successful early as an organization, you're always in a process of celebrating restored glory, not celebrating the thing that just happened, right? So that, that to me is a closer comparison. Notre Dame is a comparison too, but I would also say that uh, maybe Notre Dame's not the most accurate comparison because they haven't won the big one. And Ferrari will have to do that before they, you know, like move clear of a Notre Dame comparison here, right? So Texas, by the way, four claimed national titles, five unclaimed national titles. So nine total, if you're going to do the USC yeah. method and just say, hey, they, these guys went 4 0 and one in 1914. Let's, let's give them the nod here. Um, I agree. I also think that there's an immediate ecosystem that unless you're in it, you don't understand. And mm-hmm. in Italy, everything Ferrari does is talked about ad nauseum. And that may not leak into England. It may not leak into America. But it is the biggest thing in the world. Um, and I think the people who co- – two, two Italians. And I think that people who cover the sport in Italy and are basically the Ferrari beat writer are really, really, really popular. We just don't understand that because we're outside of it. Um, obviously, they speak Italian in Alabama. It's just because we don't want to read more about Alabama. That's probably yeah. a little bit of it. Um, I just don't want to know anything more than I need to. Um, but yeah, this is like it, it's it's a glamour team. It's a team on the upswing. It's a team that's going to win this year. Do you think it's immoral to pick Ferrari if you're starting to watch this year? No, no, I, I don't. I, I don't. I wouldn't ascribe any kind of morality to picking any of these teams because one. If you're going to get into if you're going to get into the relative morality of F1, we all run into the wall very quickly there, very, <laughs> very quickly. You kind of you like the sponsors' banners are kind of where you would have to stop if that was if that made you squeamish at all. <laughs> the thing that you, I think, it's fine to pick Ferrari for this year, especially because I don't want anybody to have a bad time watching something in their free time, right? I don't want mm. them. To ever sort of feel this is a guilt-free, this should be like a relatively guilt-free endeavor for somebody. So if you want to just hop on this bandwagon, baby, go ahead and get it. I know too that if you pick Ferrari, one, they might be good again in the future, high probability of that. Two, aesthetically, you're gonna have a pretty cool time. They got a cool logo, you got a cool color, you have cars that correspond to kind of what's on the track. You know, totally different machines, but some of the styling is still there and the lineage is definitely legitimate, right? You also have like this, like everyone who's a big Ferrari fan is like, yeah, you know, thought about going to Italy, going to the factory, going to the shed. (laughs) And you know what? What I want to do is go to the factory and I want to see, you're going to talk about the stump, aren't you? The stump that they hammer the parts on individually. Like there's a great mythos there that you could just buy into that is kind of, kind of like, fraud but but it's also like the most on italian fraud possible in that you're like is every car painstakingly made by hand yeah robot hands maybe i don't know like it's still a car most italian fraud is fun yeah like like enjoy it i i'm totally fine they have the coolest looking team principal by far he looks super italian even though i believe he's swiss um and he doesn't speak english in the drive to survive interviews which I respect. Like they're like, you know, it'd be cool if you spoke English. And he's like, no, 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 no. no. But also, he just started doing that. 
Yeah, that just was started. A, mid, a mid-show switch this season. <laughs> I like that he saw winds coming and he's like, all right, I'll start talking about this here. <laughs> Let's it's get like the when a coach shut, starts shutting out the media because yeah, got we'll successful. Yeah, we'll start shutting out the media. You know, like like to me that to me to me that's cool. Like the coolest thing if you want to go, I know everybody will crap on the idea of just hopping on the bandwagon and following Ferrari. But to me, one of the coolest things is that you might be able to actually, in some sense, put rubber on the road by seeing a, seeing a Ferrari or having some experience seeing one. You'll see one and you'll kind of go, ah, a touchstone connecting me to that somewhat, even at a distance. Uh, I need to keep the names out of this right now because I'm actually trying to, to book some of these guys. Um, the names will, will come out eventually. Um, but when I was talking to some some folks around the NFL, they were like, you know, there's a pretty big Ferrari contingent among NFL stars. There's, we're just messing around. And I was like, well, why? Like, they're like the red or whatever. And they're like, well, because they drive Ferraris. And I was like, oh, right. Oh, yeah. Of dollars. Oh, yeah that, yeah. that thing. There's there's guys who drive Ferraris in the NFL who are able to be Ferrari fans because yeah. they they buy Ferraris at cost. Yes, they they because they have the product. It's a little <laughs> bit different for them than it is for us, you know. Like, I, and you know that'll be true for Mercedes too. Like, I do think it is cool if you can, you know, maybe get your hands on it. Maybe you can even touch a little bit of it or see sort yeah, of Mercedes. The you can get at CarMax for twenty two thousand dollars. Yes, and it will. Yeah, it, it's a little bit different, but you know, like I think that's important to me. I think that's one thing that's that's sort of missing from the NASCAR experience, right? Like. You might be in a Toyota, but you don't assume it's the same kind of Toyota, right? If right. you're in an F1 car, plausibly, you go, well, this thing goes 200 miles an hour, right? It has to have some sort of DNA from what they're putting on the F1 track, even if that's not true. It's definitely more believable. Was What was the funniest part of Ford versus Ferrari to you? Was it um, Lee Iacocca's casting to be one of the, the buffest men in Hollywood? Or was it casting the Ford Motor Company as a huge underdog to a a guy in Italy named Ferrari who just kind of makes cars in a barn. Yeah, that to me was the funniest thing was American America as underdog, particularly 1960s America, which was busy shooting people into space and trying to submarine the entire Russian economy through military spending. That to me is the funniest part of it. That that you know, here we have this visionary, this rebel in Ford, and I'm like, oh. Was he busy? Like, I, I guess when the fascism business went out, uh, they had to go ahead and resort to trying to take on small Italian car makers with the largest industrial monster in the world, the Ford Motor Corporation. That, to me, was probably the funniest part. I don't know, man. I don't know young Lee Iacocca. Maybe he was yoked. Maybe, like, you know, I, I, can't, I don't have any pictures. <laughs> we'll look into it. Um, all right. Haas. This is the big one. Yeah. So, there's so much to be said. Owned by Gene Haas, headquarters technically in Kannapolis, North Carolina, that formerly home of the Kannapolis Intimidators. They changed the name. I didn't know. So there's a baseball team named after Dale Earnhardt, and they changed the name. This feels like erasure and and the ending of Southern culture. Uh, it, no, it, it, as long as as long as the first thing I think when I think Kannapolis is the Earnhardt family, which for the moment right. it still is. Uh, I think we're good. However, there's a, an unusual hybrid that I know people who live in Kannapolis or around there who've seen Gunther Steiner shopping no. at the shopping at the malls uh, with his wife, which to me is wow. the greatest the greatest collision of cultures possible. That you have this like outrageously cranky uh, middle European man who runs into like somebody at the outlet store. In Charlotte, North Carolina. Do we, do we have a store? Like, do we know what he's doing? Is he like at the Banana Republic outlet, or is he? Uh, I believe this was a Nordstrom's. So I Nordstrom's. think this was. 
Yeah, oh, so I full, think it, it's not even a Nordstrom rack, just full cost. Gunther getting after it. I think Gunther did get after it with those Haas dollars. Yeah. Um, if we're going ahead and putting Haas in their place, I would have to ask somebody selecting this team. Um, do you like getting punched first in a fu- first in a fight? <laughs> have you lost a fight recently? Are you the kind of person who, after nine failures, will get up and say, no, 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 this one I'm going to fail harder at 10? Are you the kind of person who really wants to root for an underdog? I'm not talking about a fake underdog all right americans if you are listening to this i need you to listen very carefully okay a real underdog not a team you root for right like not even the boston red sox when they managed to finally win a world series because that team had money i mean are you willing to sit through real agony in order to celebrate ninth to really celebrate ninth haas is the team for you the minnesota timberwolves yeah are you a t-wolves fan that's like are you a uh, not even a Grizzlies fan, because like I'm a Grizzlies fan, and we've been good. Like we've we've had really good moments and good players. But yeah. like, are you a Kings fan? Are you a Sacramento Kings fan? And you're still a Sacramento Kings fan? Are you a Purdue football fan? Like, stick with it, man. We have a um, there's a a handful of T Wolves fans actually at the Ringer, and when it looked like two years ago, like the team might move, this guy watches every game, like diehard. And I said, oh, man, I'm really sorry that the T-Wolves might move. You know, as a Magic fan, I've dealt with that. And he kind of went like, eh, yeah. Like, he was actually like, you could see in his eyes, he was thinking like, maybe I'm being dealt out here and this wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Yeah. That, yeah. to me, feels like the Haas experience. Like, I love this. I'm going to watch every race. I love P9. But also, if they got bought out, I'd have more free time. Yeah. That, to me. Yeah, no, you could somebody was willing to let you off the hook. So I will say this you sign up for Haas, even if you are charmed by the charismatically profane Gunther Steiner, okay, who is admittedly the star of Drive to Survive, even if you get that, you might lose Gunther. And then you're just going to be stuck with Haas. You're just going to be stuck with a rough deal. Haas is owned by Gene Haas, as we said. Uh, they are based, their, their real base is in Banbury, England. That's, that's where they build the car, all that stuff. Um, Gene Haas, obviously a NASCAR owner as well. Uh, not surprisingly, zero constructor championships, zero driver championships, 212 points in 125 races. Uh, not a lot of success, but looking pretty good this year. Uh, we are improving. And this will be the victory for anybody who becomes a fan of Haas will be this incremental improvement, right? Mm. Um, And you're not going to win a title. If Haas ever podiumed, I would admit, I'm not a super Haas fan. I don't really have a team loyalty, but if I did, I'd be nude if Haas ever got third. So (laughs) let's get into the American part of this. So the most American team is Haas because it's owned by a gentleman in North Carolina who lives near the Nordstrom. And... There's talk there's going to be more American teams, maybe an Andretti team, maybe McLaren, somebody like Colton Herta, who's a reserve driver for McLaren, ends up in a seat. Um, He's very, very good in IndyCar. Um, Zach Brown on our podcast that came out last week said that there were three American drivers that were on his radar that could maybe be in the mix for an F1 seat down the road. When F1 gets more American, are you staying with Haas? Or if there's just like an ultra, if the Andretti team gets in and they're wearing like the the, hel- the American flag helmet from Easy Rider, um, yeah. like, are you going to switch your allegiances or are you down with Haas into forever? 
I, I think if I were in that position, I would just be down with Haas, right? Especially because they would have the more direct NASCAR roots. And the idea of, Na- of anything even tinged with NASCAR being successful at the F1 level is too funny for me to let go. That, that the guys who build tanks that crash into each other around ovals would have any success in the precise aerodynamic world of F1. Um, I'm going to stick to that for the lulls. So that's I would stick with Haas by far. By the way, my nationalism is so fluid. I have no loyalty. I am treason incarnate when it comes to NASCAR. Like when Checo does well for Red Bull, I am just like, yeah, man, people Mexico. That's awesome. It's a big <laughs> day for Mexico. I want nothing but the best things for Mexico. When you have, uh, when Yuki Sonoda is killing it uh, mm-hmm. and he's, you know, like going to finish seventh or, or sixth for Alpha or for um, Alpha Tari, I'm always like, yeah, man, it's beautiful. Japan. This is an enormous day, day for Japan. I'm so happy, like, switching my passport right now. It's awesome. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that only because I think that the American part of it is just so limited. Like when I see Lewis Hamilton and Silverstone, I'm just like, this is amazing. I want to be part Great. of it. And I want, Phenomenal. I want, if Colton Herta starts just getting P4s all the time and he's does it at Austin, I want to be involved in that. I just don't think we're there yet. I think the most American thing that could happen would be, uh, Daniel Ricardo winning at Austin, not because Ricardo's American, but because he is the most American driver, even if we had an American driver, Daniel Ricardo would be the most. Yeah. If there were five American drivers on the grid, Daniel Ricardo would still be the most American. He'd guy. still be, he'd still be the most American driver of all of them. He understands Texas culture. He understands Dale Earnhardt culture, mm-hmm. which is important. Yeah. He wears I, like that was his big thing. He wanted to drive the Wrangler three, not even mm-hmm. not even the, the good wrench three. The Wrangler. No, he, he wanted it. to do the OG. He wanted to do the OG blue and yellow Wrangler three. That was his big thing, which is how I know Daniel Ricardo might be more southern than me, right? But he's from Australia. <laughs> Australia and Arkansas are like so close, right? Like they're so close. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Viore. If you're sick and tired of your old traditional workout gear, then I have two words that will change everything. Viore clothing. This line of active wear is truly unbelievable. And here's why. Look, you've seen me. You've seen the shorts I do on YouTube. I walk around, I do stuff. I listen to podcasts when I walk. I make calls when I walk. I like to wear comfortable workout equipment, you know, like nothing nuts, just like a really nice pullover, comfortable pants to walk around. Viore is designed to work out in whatever you're doing, but it doesn't look or feel like you're working out at all. It's so freaking soft and comfortable. You'll never want to take it off. And here's the best part. You don't have to take it off. Wear Viore clothing to train, travel, or lounge around the house. I do a lot of lounge around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Our listeners 
Get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash ringer. V-U-O-R-I dot com slash ringer. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. All right, uh, McLaren. Daniel Ricardo and Lando Norris are the drivers. American, Zach Brown. Although, so Zach Brown was on my pod and my wife listened to it and thought that Zach Brown had picked up a vaguely Irish-English accent while living in England, which I had never heard before, but she said that she could hear it before. So it's possible Zach Brown has become um, anglicized. While he's from California, his first races were going to Riverside and Long Beach and all that stuff. But it's possible that he is now um, more more English than American. If you if you listen to us, uh, to some voice takes. Um, this is a historically great team. Eight constructors championships, twelve drivers championships. They've they they have a Mercedes engine now. Um, Ron Dennis, their former team principal, is one of the greatest minds in history, and. They have a lot of cool photos of their car over the past couple of decades. Tell me about McLaren, what kind of person you are, if you, if you like the team, Spencer. I think one, you've got to be an Anglophile, so you have to like mm-hmm. all things. You have to like all things British. Um, it is also uh, one of the teams that has actually used American drivers with some regularity. Johnny Rutherford, mm-hmm. I believe, was uh, was a longtime McLaren driver. I think yes. you have to you have to have uh, a fair amount of nostalgia because. Um, this is a, a very 1970s team by design. And I think you have to be the kind of person who um, you got to be into driving, driving. And by that, I mean, you have to be the kind of person who maybe won't necessarily say, I need a lot of flair. Like you're not going to root for a McLaren unless you think an actual McLaren road car looks cool. And a McLaren road car is a very geometric, elegant thing that doesn't necessarily have like the pure sex of a Ferrari, right? Like a Lamborghini to me is like the opposite of a McLaren. A Lamborghini is meant to like scare you and bully you off the road and, you know, be loud and set things on fire and be very like, have a lot of flair. <laughs> a McLaren is like a scalpel. It's just going to yeah. cut and it's going to be very precise. Um, also, you're going to have to be okay with being, with not being the main character. That's mm. for the moment. McLaren is like two, probably two or three years off from seriously competing um, just given the development cycles that happened in F1, um, they might have made, they might have miscalculated on a driver hire because Daniel Ricardo hasn't exactly worked out there yet. Uh, Lando Norris has a lot of promise, but um, I think you have to be okay with being like the likable second character in any drama that you're going to enter. You're, you're kind of an auxiliary character right now. Um, also, you got to be good with orange. You, you got to be good with. Mm. Um, that that's also a sports team thing to me. You got to be either cool with the orange or not. Those are two different kinds of people. Hmm. Okay. So Russillo had asked me last summer if, if being a McLaren fan was the move to me, the road car hurts it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I feel I'd never met a cool person who owns McLaren. 
I, it's a, you know what it is? I, I think it is a very geeky car. It is a very, like, if you're, or, or, or showy, like, I don't want, I don't want all the cars you have. That is correct. All right. Now that's the case with anybody who's going to buy a luxury car, but I know two kinds of McLaren drivers. One, okay. uh, the, if you're an Elon Musk type, you're going to buy a McLaren. That was, I think the mm. first luxury car he ever bought because it is a nerd's car. It is, you know, it, it leans into the whole, like, we're better because we're designed by science and not passion, right? <laughs> They're all designed by science, but like that is very much the McLaren thing, right? When it comes to their cars, they're the ones who have like, you know, they have a geometric expression of a, of a, a Greek letter as their, you know, uh, as their headlight. That's very much like it's mathematical. So if you're a geek, you're going to like McLaren. The other people who really like McLaren, I found are people who are like, yeah, I just want to drive something really precise. I had one of these and wrote about it for, uh, for uh, SB Nation back in the day. Mm-hmm. And when I drove it, you can't wreck it. You cannot wreck it. I just, you hear about other luxury cars and they're like, yeah, I wrapped it around a tree. A McLaren won't let you do that. A McLaren is just so stuck to the road that if you wreck it, man, that's your fault. It wasn't the car. I can promise you that. Um, so to me, that is, to me, those are the two kinds of people. So like, that is correct when you're talking about prescribing what you want from McLaren. It is, I think, a snob's car, mm. uh, but it's also like a math snob's car. I'm getting very, very particular here. But if that is you and you are listening to this, by all means, McLaren is your F1 team. I've been frantically searching, as you were saying that, to find out if Bryson DeChambeau has a McLaren. He does not. He feels huh. like he does. He has a Bentley. Mm, that to me says he's not actually... type. Yeah, that, that to me says he's not there yet. Uh, like like famous McLaren owners, like that would be to me an interesting search because I think you would probably get a pretty good idea uh, of, of who you're talking about um, in terms of famous McLaren owners. Like, okay, okay, so here, perfect example, okay? We already mentioned Elon Musk, um, George Harrison, okay, who was like a motorist, motorist. He was a guy who Jay, really I, I, I just Googled it. J- Jay Leno was on this list. Jay Leno should, yeah, but he'd be on every list. He owns one of everything. Are we looking at the same list? And do we see the second person on this list? Uh, Yes, we do. Mr. Bean. Mr. Bean, Rowan Atkinson. That is correct. That is correct. He is, uh, I I think that's, but George Harrison is to me like the example of the guy who you're like, he was, that was, George Harrison was like a serious driving type driver. He was absolutely that kind of dude. So, I, I think he is probably a good example of, are you the kind of guy who has the money, wants people to know that you have discriminating taste, but also that you know how to drive? Um, I think McLaren would be the one for you. Like you see people buy Ferraris all the time. You think all of that, you think all those NFL drivers can pull off a drift turn? No, they're putting it, they're putting that thing right into the gravel, right? They're putting it right into the tires. Okay. Someone who gets behind the wheel of a McLaren, they might be able to do it. Might. Okay, so I do want to say this one thing. So I know someone who had a McLaren wreck in front of their house. And over the next three days, it was just an army of the world's best fixers coming and getting different parts and just making sure that no one ever reported this to police or tried to identify who exactly wrecked in front of it. Like you could see it was clear. I don't. I didn't get the whole story, but it was clear that a McLaren like wrecked on the street in front of it. And then it was completely wiped away by a bunch of guys who probably charge $20,000 an hour. That is correct. If I tell you this, if you are the kind of person who is impressed by this fact, the McLaren, I believe it was the, uh, the, the 1990s F1 uh, or the, the P1 uh, mm-hmm. 
Oh, no, the F1. Yeah, this is the one that Jay Leno owns. It has gold lining the engine case. <laughs> and, and supposedly to because of the thermodynamic qualities of gold and the conductive qualities of gold has made the best metal. Bullshit. I, that's not, no. The, the reason it's there is because you could line it in gold. That's why. If you're the kind of person who's impressed by both the science and the ballitude of that, McLaren is your team by far. Uh, I just want to say that Franz Toast, there's a headline I just saw that said that Yuki Tsunoda, quote, underestimated fitness requirements in 2021. So we have a new type of person who would like Alpha Tauri, and it might be us. I mean, Alpha Tauri by personality, too, right? Like Yuki and Pierre. Pierre's the one who, if you've seen the latest Drive to Survive, <laughs> he comes on camera, and the first thing he says is, Is that story too dirty for me to tell on camera? <laughs> if that's you, if you're the guy who missed the fitness requirements, Yuki Tsunoda, they show his apartment. It's absolute trash because uh, he doesn't do laundry. Alphatari. Boom. All right. The big one. We're getting into the, the, the three big ones. The big three. Mercedes, Red Bull, and Williams. Um, Mercedes? What do we think? Um, do you root for the New York Yankees? <laughs> do, you like, do you like winning? Are you just the kind of person who likes winning and money? And that's your whole personality. You're a Mercedes fan. Well, it, it's it's interesting because they were out of the sport as a pure constructor for fifty years, something like that. After yeah. the, do, do the we, do we want, do we, Yeah. Do we want to mention why? Because they yeah. They, not, they made a car. Not. They made a they made a car out of magnesium, and it went into the stands and caught fire. Uh, that's why uh, Mercedes took a long break for a reason. Yeah. Um. So, having said that. They returned to the sport mm-hmm. about 12 years ago, something like that. Um, and they've won eight constructors championships and nine driver championships, although that reaches back. They won in 54 and 55 as well. And then there's a, a break until 2014. Uh, Lewis Hamilton, Nico Rosberg, some of the, the the best drivers of the modern era. Now they've had Botas. Now they have George Russell. Obviously, Toto Wolf is their team principal. They win a lot. They're not going to win this year. Um, there's just a lot that goes into being a Mercedes fan right now, Spencer. That is correct. And that's a big tent. It's a big tent. <laughs> they, they attract, they attract people who are just, um, you know, robots for winning. If you're just one of the zombies who puts on jerseys, um, you can go ahead and belong to the Mercedes fan club because in addition to all of your newly purchased, uh, I don't know, it, it, Kansas city chiefs jerseys that you put on over the Patriots Jersey. <laughs> Right. If you are a Lakers fan, you're going to be a Mercedes fan. I can't stop y'all and I can't say you won't have a good time, but you know, go ahead. This year's going to be a little frustrating for you, but I, like, I have no doubt that with the amount of money and commitment they have, Mercedes will do anything to get back at it over the next two to three years. If you are the kind of person who just loves Lewis Hamilton, like that mm, is yeah, like, this is a, this is a very hard sport for anybody to find any kind of, of heroism in terms of somebody who is actively committed to social justice or saying what they feel, but the amount of power accrued by Lewis Hamilton by being the best driver ever, which he has a legit claim to being it's like him and Schumacher. Um, and you know, maybe Fangio, I I don't know. Like Mm -hmm. there's like everything past that gets super subjective, but you can start with Hamilton and Schumacher and that's a pretty great start to any list. The amount of power and influence that he's accrued by being who he is 
um, has allowed him the kind of freedom to take social stances that I don't think a lot of other drivers either feel committed to personally or feel like they can say. It's like him and Vettel are the two guys who have done that. Vettel, I think, because he's got a a high degree of DGAF at this point in his career, um, (laughs) and he's just that kind of dude. Um, And two, uh, Hamilton, because Hamilton has had such a unique experience being a a black racer in a sport that has um, put up a lot of barriers and just has a lot of natural barriers built into it by being uh, a a sport of the wealthy, an exclusive sport, a sport sponsored by the wealthy and in large part bankrolled by the wealthy. Um, He's been that dude. So I, I have this. I'll make fun of anybody for being a Mercedes fan. But if you're a Hamilton fan and that's how you got to the sport, I get that. Like, yeah, go ahead. Please be a Mercedes fan. Root for that dude. He's awesome. He's fantastic. You know, additionally, have a really cool bulldog. Like, and if you're an Anglophile, you're doubled up on that because nobody will rep the Union Jack harder at Silverstone than Lewis Hamilton. So I'm in complete agreement with you. If you get into Mercedes through Lewis Hamilton fandom, I'm completely on board with that. That's fine. If you're just like, if you're just like, I'm I'm going to be a Mercedes fan for the rest of my life, and I can take or leave Lewis Hamilton, and I'm actually just a huge fan of the of the team, Toto, George Russell. At that point, I get a little uneasy, but I it, it's still acceptable. I mean, it's like if the Lakers were founded in 2010, a little bit, yeah. Um, but I think that Lewis is a is just a is an admirable person that you can you can hit your wagon to. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm also fine with this. The rarest person uh do you like driving a mercedes <laughs> is that your thing like right. do you have like if that's just if you're just a consumer and you're like man i just like big smooth german cars with giant engines hey th- that's cool welcome you actually got here you know from the ground floor red bull racing max verstappen mm-hmm. defending driver's champion although mercedes is defending constructor's champion sergio perez christian horner is your team principal mm-hmm. in the formula one era they have had four constructors championships 2010 2011 2012 2013 sebastian vettel being the key cog in that five world drivers championships again vettel four times and verstappen last year this is a tough one because they came in they spent a ton of money they have some of the smartest people in the sport adrian newey they basically gave him a blank check to design the car they've had some likable people they are, however, owned and branded as an energy drink company. That when was the last time you had a Red Bull? It's been like four or five years. Yeah, I'd least. say I probably accidentally had one like 2015 or something. But that's it's, usually, you know, I used that's to usually drink them that's, a lot. That's usually how you have them, right? It's like accidentally. You're like, oh, I can. In my well, way. for me, it's like I'm at a gas station and the coffee's out, and it, like I really need caffeine, and it's just you know a Monster Energy with 900 calories or a sugar-free Red Bull. And yeah. you, you, you know, life takes you in interesting directions. That's all I'll say. I have several. I think the, the, the Red Bull Coalition is made up of this. Are you a person who's 35 or over who would describe themselves as I like to rock? That's it. <laughs> Dude, that's it. Right. Does the extreme lifestyle of 1999 still somehow flow in your veins? Uh, by allegiance, you should probably enjoy Red Bull. Are you Mexican? Are you affiliated with yeah. Mexico? Do you love Checo? Okay. Do you want to rep Mexico so damn hard? Yes. 
during an F1 race, okay? Which you can do because Checo was awesome. Sergio Perez is incredible. To me, he had the best moment of the 2021 season when he blocked four Verstappen, cutting off Lewis Hamilton in the final race of the season in order to put Verstappen back in the hunt to eventually take the race in a very controversial decision. None of that would have been possible, by the way, without one, the intervention of F1 officials, or two, Checo. Like, Checo is probably, like, to me, I to me, he's my favorite, like, he is my favorite person to watch drive just because of his style and because he mm-hmm. is so competitive at every single point in the race, even if he's not in first. Like, that, to me, he's he's just tough. He's just an extremely tough driver. He's a tenacious driver if you watch him. Um, his defensive driving is brilliant. I, I love that dude. If you are a Checo fan, I think that's a great way to get there. Verstappen, I think if you are the kind of person who looks as, looks at Dexter as a role model and not as a warning, then you can root for Red Bull because uh, Verstappen, to me, is the most like dead shark-eyed competitor. He is the kind of person who will win a race because he might think about wrecking you. Like he is, Verstappen, to me, has the most like NASCAR attitude like I know, all right, not attitude, NASCAR technique of any driver because he is so aggressive. Red Bull recruits like a short guy runs the team, which is the case because Christian Horner is the shortest short man ever. And I mean that in terms of <laughs> attitude, not necessarily by height. He's just pugnacious, always going completely at Mercedes throat or anyone else who comes near them, like big mouth, big attitude, um, you know, size eight shoes. Who, if you could take one guy on the F1 grid and put him in NASCAR, would it be him? Yeah, Verstappen. I'd take Verstappen. Like, because I think Ricardo would enjoy it the most. But I think Verstappen's the guy who actually probably would be like, contact at 190, fine. Like, fine. I will go ahead and put my car there. You know, like that is because I think this is, this is my theory about the 2021 season. I know everyone will go to, everyone will go to the race decision that, that Michael Matthew made to put, them 1v2 in the final lap and get you know Verstappen a victory there I don't think it was that I think it came down to the, the the fact that when Lewis Hamilton is in conflict with the driver he will hold his line but he won't necessarily crowd it and Verstappen will knock you off the track and I think that was when push came to shove the difference there like I think he's just an aggressive driver in a sense that Lewis Hamilton is not. I still think Hamilton's the better driver. That's why he's got more championships. Um, and I think that's why like most of the time he'll win. But if it comes down to like a you or me situation, Verstappen's a killer. He'll just drop you. Verstappen fans, and listen, I'm I'm adopting a neutral posture here because I feel like we've been too hard on Max over the past couple of weeks on this podcast. Yeah. Verstappen fans pretty sensitive. I can only describe him based on what he does like i'm not making anything up right no like, no what? i know i'm just saying yeah. like the, fa- the 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 fan base over i get like a post abu dhabi yeah max verstappen fan base they're in your mentions constantly working the refs in the same yeah, they, no, i think I mean, they might take their cues from max and christian they're gonna do what they're going to do and i know that when i know that when it comes down to a you or me situation with verstappen he's throwing you overboard he is that right. competitive, you know, I, I sort of feel like if I had to sort of, when you go, well, well, Lewis Hamilton will do the same thing. And I'm like, no, I think it's different. I think Hamilton will just insist that he has the best solution to the racetrack. Right. This is very Michael Schumacher thing, right? Like right. I have deduced the best line and I have executed it as well as I possibly can. 
And what possible argument could there be? Verstappen to me is an oppositional driver because I don't think he sees that line. I think he sees, I have to get you, right? Like Hamilton's not competing against anyone by name. I think he's just like, no, I am driving the best route that is in my head, right? I think he and his brother both have that same brain where they go, I have seen this solution and I have plotted it and I am going to execute it to the utmost of my ability. Verstappen's like, I would like to beat that guy. And I think that's the difference between them as drivers and probably why Hamilton is like marginally more consistent, because I think that's a more consistent way to drive and compete than screw you. Like in, in Verstappen's head, I think he's always thinking that guy, I need to get that dude. <laughs> All right. Last one, Williams. So oh boy, <laughs> this is uh, this is a tough one. I'm not really yeah. sure why you get into Williams. Now, listen, Frank Williams, the late, great Frank Williams had a lot of success and they've had, let's get the, let's get the number here. They've had nine constructors championships, last being in 1997, seven drivers championships. Also the last being in 1997, they have had some of the best drivers in the world. They've been sold by the Williams family and they haven't necessarily bottomed out. Shout out to Albin for getting in the points um, in, in Australia. But mm-hmm. this is this has been real bad. This has been real, real bad. And I'm not sure why you'd want to jump on the Williams train now, but why would you if you do? You want to be the person who looks like a genius for being right. <laughs> that's that's really if you want to take you if you are the kind of person who not only likes an underdog, because that ain't gonna be enough for you. It really won't. You have to be the kind of person who says, I think I see this coming. And I think I say, and by the way. This means getting points. And you might already have cashed that check. Do you want to prosper via the like economy of low expectations? Welcome. Williams is here for you. Uh, Albon, right. Albon on 57 laps of one t- set of tires. That's incredible. Like that, that to me is like, that's probably as good as it's going to get for you as a Williams fan this year. But I could be wrong. I could be. I believe they're. Their principal is a, a former rally chief, which to yep. me says that like this is a team. They went out and got a rally chief. You know why? You get a rally chief because your garage time is limited and you have to make do on small resources. That's really why they went out and got a successful rally chief because the same managerial strengths apply if you're dealing with Williams. So do you like bootstraps? Do you like being right eventually? Do you like talented young drivers? That's the one thing too, right? Do you like the kids? Because they're going to find kids. Whoever's racing for Williams, they're probably going to be really good somewhere else eventually. Except for he Latifi. was direct. <laughs> Sorry, poor Latifi. Poor Latifi. Isn't the move? I just want to ask this question: Isn't the move if you're Latifi or even Lance Stroll, just be a swaggering team principal and using that money, the billions, to create a team that wins things instead of putting yourself in the seat? Isn't that the move that shields you from embarrassment, but also lets you capitalize on the resources at your fingertips? Like that, that would be what I would do if I fell into a few billion dollars. No way. I'm going to go vroom. I'm I'm going to, I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to get P20. I don't care. Do you know how cool it is being an F1 driver? Do you know how cool it is being the last F1 driver? This is like being last in medical school. They still call you doctor. You still get to wear the cool suit. You still get to go like, you know, 190 miles an hour down the backstretch of Monza. Like, that's, you that's could awesome. do that. You could do that 
You just pay someone at Monza to open up the gate. You understand? That's not the point. I can do it during a race. That's different. That's a different adrenaline channel, right? That's a different neural pathway. if, If you can get that and say, maybe I'll get better, I could talk myself into that. Also, if you're, let's, let's remember who we're dealing with here. You were raised with all the money in the world. Nothing right. is impossible for you, right? Nothing. If you finish P20, what do you say to yourself? Oh, next week I can probably finish P19. We get a little bit better every week. That's what you think you can do. Nothing's going to tell me I can't. So I, I, I really do get it. Like, is there any embarrassment there? No, because I'm still an F1 driver. Still, and and one more thing on that. When people are like, oh, yeah, Latifi, Latifi sucks. Latifi might suck in context. Right. Because nobody can just, like, I, I, I disagree with the assumption that because somebody is put in that seat, that they are not capable of holding that seat, maybe not thriving or winning in that seat, but you still have to stay on the track at the highest level of competition. Sure. Right. And though Latifi has struggled to do that recently, um, he's still, for the most part, there. This is not, uh, this is not Vadim Kogai uh, at the Rolex series putting his car into the wall uh, on multiple laps. Right. And if you've heard that reference, go on YouTube and search uh, Vadim Kogai. It is one of the <laughs> funnier live racing clips you will ever watch with the announcers begging the marshals to take this rich man with a car off the track. That is not what you have, particularly like with Lance Stroll, who at least is competitive, right? Like, yeah, and Lance Stroll won Formula Three in 2016 before right. I obviously skipped Formula Two, but you know he did. I mean, he beat obviously there were different times of development, but he beat George Russell in Formula Three, that sort of thing. Right, and these complaints, like if you start looking at the background of the drivers, you know there are very few people who you know got here out of abject poverty or even standard middle class living standards. Like right. there are. Very few of those people, a lot of the heroes of the sport who are revered otherwise, um, come from back, you know, backgrounds of great privilege. If you look at, you know, Ayrton Senna, Ayrton Senna, Ayrton yeah. Senna came up with money, right? He found way more of it when he was an F1 driver. But, you know, it, it, the sort of idea that these guys can't compete, um, it's accurate in terms of top 10 finishes. But in terms of actual ability, you have to have a certain baseline just to be there. By the way, speaking of baseline of ability, I'm looking at the Formula 3 championships in 2016. Stroll first, George Russell third. 20th, 20th. Nikita Mazepin. If you want to talk about somebody who should not have been there, like Drive to Survive is wonderful. However, one of the funniest things they did to me was in the Russian Grand Prix, make Mazepin try to look like a genius by being like, I called for rain tires and I saw rain. Go look up where he finished. Go look at where all of that brilliance had him finishing. Cause I believe it was the knowledge of the Russian weather. Yes. The knowledge of the Russian weather encouraged me uh, and allowed me to get uh, 20th or 19th, wherever he finished. I feel like there's a lot of people who've, uh, who've picked a team in the past hour. I would hope so. Uh, and again, if, if any of this offended you, uh, it's too bad. I just speak the truth. This is, this, these are the teams you're given, right? Now, I will say this too, full disclosure, I don't necessarily, I root for drivers. I don't really have a right. team. Uh, but, but if I had to pick one, and, you know, if, if I'm going to go ahead and draft one for myself in order to be fair and go ahead and pick a team live, I'm probably going AlphaTauri. I just, you know, I'm a big Beauty Sonoda guy. I'm Ooh. kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I'm a college football fan. Like, I don't know. Sure. I, I watch the NFL, but I don't know why people prefer it. So, 
to me, the most college football team of all of them is AlphaTauri because it's the junior league of, you know, a more moneyed and successful sure. senior league. Um, I'll say this. I think people want to pick teams because they want the gear. They yeah. want to buy a $75 hat. AlphaTauri's gear is pretty clean. I agree. Like, I like it. Now, I don't want to be a Ferrari guy because I have one Ferrari guy story. I went to a rally car camp once, okay, like a rally car school up in yeah. New Hampshire, O'Neill, and um, which you should go. You should go do. It's a blast. You'll learn how to drive. Is it it's, teach it's, me how to rally? Yeah, it teaches you how to okay. drift and on gravel and drive off okay. road. And, do I need yeah. to? Do I need some intermediary steps between here and there? No, no, just go okay, because I just sort of drive on the highway now, like a normal person. No, no, they they start you okay. on a skid pad. They start you on a skid pad, and like after a couple of days, you're uh, doing like logging trails in a Subaru okay. Outback and like drifting it. I did an Audi. I did. I drove an old Audi Quattro that died immediately after I drove it on one of those things, like one of those old Group B Quattros. Oh man, it was an absolute blast. But that thing was a hog. Anyway, um, I did it, and I did it with like three guys who belonged to a Ferrari club. Three extremely rich dudes who belonged to a Ferrari <laughs> club in South Florida. And it was me, a journalist, and these three other guys. And I went there and I was like, oh, these guys drive Ferraris. Like, I'm not going to be able to compete with them at all, right? Like, I'm just going to work on my own thing. And after two days, I looked up and like, I was way better than those guys. And that's because it turns out one of the few things I can actually do is drive. Like, that is one of the Ooh. few things I can do semi-competently is drive fast. And the second thing is, these guys were terrible. They were all used <laughs> to really good cars and yeah. going very, very, very fast with them. And they could not handle a car that could not immediately read their thoughts. That was it. So they were like all over the place. They were completely uncomfortable with it. And I was like, ah, at last, at last the privilege of being unprivileged. I have it in order to be like, I can go fast enough focus. Wow. Spencer Hall, the Ford Focus rally guy in New Hampshire. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. we got there. I'm glad we got there on this. No, on this I, I, look, show, uh, see, no, Kevin, I, I just want to see you. I just want to eventually in like six months, I want to see. No, I do want to do it. I do want to do it. There's a, there's a class, you know, in Orlando, I don't know if this is, I don't think it's still around. Uh, in Orlando, they used to have the Richard Petty experience at Disney oh, yeah, yeah. Where, where, where they would teach you how to be a NASCAR driver. And I never yeah. did it. Uh, but, and a lot of people I know did the, did the hot laps around just to feel what it was like. And I saw actually something similar. I don't know if it's an actual class, but when I was at Indy, bef the Colts had a off day cut two years ago. Or three years ago now. Um, and last time I went to the Colts, which was pre-pandemic, um, and I went to Indy for the day, and you could see the you could see the folks just that, that you pay hundreds of dollars just sit in the back of a of an Indy car flying around Indy. Um, but I, I do want to do that. I do want to learn how to actually be a race car driver just for the functional understanding when I'm talking about why Latifi's bad. I think I think the F1 thing would probably be, I wouldn't recommend that because I don't want to bankrupt you, but the rally experience, I could definitely recommend. No, that. I just want to like take, I want to go in like, they're not that expensive. I I've think, looked, I've looked you, into it. If you could get it out of the garage from what I've seen, Richard Hammond tried to get an F1 car out of the garage on top gear. And it did. Well, not I think it's well. more like, it's like, it's like modified indie cars that are easier to drive. Oh, you want you like Skip think, Barber. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not yeah, trying yeah, to drive an actual F1 car. I encourage, like, I encourage everyone, like, one of the things that I go, I actually learned something that I use in my daily life, go to a driving school. And I don't mean, so, like, you know, yeah. student driver. I mean, go to, like, a Skip Barber driving school or a yeah. rally car course, and you'll just learn more about how a car actually works than you will in, like, 10 years of just driving a car around.
Uh, I completely agree. Adrian Newey in his book says that for the first, he had never driven an F1 car until quite late in his life, actually driven it. And then he drove one. I don't, I don't actually remember the year, maybe like 2010 or something. And he did mm-hmm. installing it. He didn't actually know how the cars he designed worked. No. Yeah. Best like, car like, designer in history. It, it, there is the, listen, Ryan, I think it was, uh, it wasn't Ryan Newman, but it was a NASCAR driver who said the only thing that matters once you get in the car is the old assometer. Like that's it. <laughs> like once you once you put your butt in the seat, that is the thing that determines how you drive it, not whether you actually understand how all the, the parts work. Have you heard the Jeff Gordon F1 story about how no. basically he just he just refused to believe the breaking points? Oh, he's like, no. Nah. Like he, he was just <laughs> Jackie Stewart or somebody was just like, You got to break here. And Gordon was like, yeah, I'm gonna pass on that. That doesn't seem real. <laughs> uh, the car. Can't I think he almost crashed it. I think he almost crashed it because of that. I mean, I, honestly, it's probably just such a different beast that you just don't, is, you're just. It is like I know the brakes don't like the brakes don't work until you get them hot. The car doesn't handle right until it hits a hundred. That's the weirdest. That is the weirdest thing to me. The other thing that is is astonishing too, and this is my last like racing school story because I've done the hot laps in a in a NASCAR. So I've I've done like. It was at least 180. They don't have a speedometer in, in a NASCAR machine, right. so you're just going off RPMs of what you think you're hitting. I think it was around. Yeah, they don't have anything. I, I, when you read about that, I'm surprised about it. They really just have to go off a of feel and no muffler, so it is just yeah. it's loud as God in there. Like it's just yeah. But um, the, the thing I that I learned most when you're talking about driving is that really the difference between you on the road. And a race car driver in terms of equipment, the biggest thing is the brakes. And that's what people don't understand about F1. That's what they don't understand about any kind of road racing. It's brakes. Like the more you pay for a car, the better the brakes are. Like they will, the brake points are insane. The ability to stop is insane. And the idea of car control is just off the charts. You know, additionally, um, additionally, the other thing I would warn you of this, don't trees, trees are not your friend. Mm. trees yeah trees are not your don't friend. hit the trees don't hit the trees i nearly put mine into a tree but i but i managed to i managed to slide out of it at the last second and feel real cool even though i like you know it's one thing to feel cool driving it's another thing to feel cool because you screwed up but then saved it like don't let that spoil it the instructor will be like yeah you almost killed us and you're like nah it's fine it's fine i look we look cool doing it that's all that matters <laughs> spencer all channel six newsletter shut down full cast Thanks for coming on, buddy. That is great. Yeah, thank you, Ken. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.